All right, for the rest of you, welcome to Pillar Church. If I had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Trace, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm super glad that you braved the weather. Some people in Southern California, when it rains, freak out and panic, like it's the apocalypse, and they don't know how to drive. They actually tend to drive faster when it's raining sometimes. It's odd. I grew up in Southern California. I learned how to drive here, so I do the same thing. But, yeah, just, I'm encouraged, you know, weather is often an excuse for for people, especially here, to not do certain things. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you for, for venturing out. So we're continuing in our Advent series this this morning, and basically what we're doing is we're, we're coupling along with our reading and candle lighting a message that kind of goes in hand with that particular week's message. For example, last week was the Bethlehem candle, and Mike gave us a great message which centered around the idea of servanthood. Do you remember that? If you were here. <laughs> if you weren't here, probably don't remember that. Jesus came into this world as a humble servant, right? And we would do well to follow his example. Would you agree? And even though, Mike pointed out, despite his humble, meager beginnings, he lived a light of greatness and massive impact on this world. So he challenged us, Mike did, with statements like this. He said, your origin in this life does not define you. He said, service of others is love. The hallmark of a Christian is service of others. He said, it's not about you, Christian. And then lastly, he said, Christianity starts with serving others. It's not a suggestion. It's a way of life. I love challenging statements like that because it forces me to look inward to see how am I doing in the area of servanthood? How am I actually walking these things out? Well, this week, as you just heard, We have a new candle that was lit. And what was that candle? The shepherd's candle. Very good, very good. And probably, I would assume, not being intimately familiar with the ins and outs and workings of being a shepherd, unless there's any shepherds among us. Any vocational shepherds? Okay, we got one. You might feel like a shepherd sometimes, you know, with your siblings. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we, we probably don't know a lot about the ins and outs of that. But I'm curious, what words come to your mind when you hear the word shepherd and in the context of what was just read? What are, what are some words that come to your mind? Just go ahead and say them. Sheep, that's a good word. Protector. Protector, I like it. David. David, okay. Shepherd's crook. Shepherd's crook. Yeah. What else? Lowly. Lowly? That's a good word. Anything else? Overwatcher, overseer. Overwatcher, overseer. Good. Okay. Here's some of the words that come to my mind. Lonely. Cold. Dirty. Outsider. Quiet. So my, my dad's biological father was a sheep herder in Wyoming almost 100 years ago. And he was long gone before I came around, but that's about as close as I'll ever get, I think, to an actual shepherd. But the reality is we know enough about the shepherds in Jesus' time to feel the weight of what this passage means for us today. 
A lot of you are familiar with this text, Luke chapter 2. How many of you, this was not your first time hearing that today? Probably most hands go up, right? It's a passage that you've probably heard over and over and over and over again if you grew up in the church. Why? Because Luke chapter 2 is the most detailed description that we have of what? Jesus' birth. Like some of the Gospels just seem to glance right over it. Luke goes into the greatest detail. And so at this time of year, that's where we go. We camp there. Charlie Brown. Yeah, he he quotes it straight up for us. That's right. And so... What I'm hoping to accomplish goes far beyond recapping a familiar passage. My desire is to uncover the aspects of this familiar text that will motivate us to move toward greater application of its truth. That's, that's my hope. And so I want to say there, there are a lot of different ways that we can come to this passage, and a lot of ways we can apply it. And I'm going to say there are at least three ways that we can approach it and three sort of applications that we can have through this text that should lead to action. As I said, we can come to it in all kinds of different ways. We can learn about the history and all the things that were happening in society. We can go real deep with all that kind of stuff. But in terms of application, I want to hit it from three angles. So I'm going to to share my thesis statement with you. I'm going to look at the passage and then we're going to pray. So here's here's my thesis statement, sort of what's shaping my approach to the passage this morning. And that is this. Humility leads us to places we wouldn't choose to go. And it gives great glory to God. Humility leads us to places that we wouldn't choose to go. And as a result, brings great glory to God. So if you have a Bible, you can open it. I know we just read the text. But I also know some of you were occupied with things and weren't paying attention. So I'm going to read it again. Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 8 and following. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy... That will be for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all the things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That's our text this morning. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. And we'll get into the passage. Father, we thank you again for this day. God, this precious gift of life. And we pause and ask for your help this morning to look to a passage, Lord, that many of us have heard for for a lot of of years. And it's a beautiful text and is an incredible description of the greatest news that's ever been proclaimed. But Lord, I think there's more for us than just hearing the story of your birth. What does that mean for us? How does that impact us? What does this mean for us here and now as we live out our faith? 
some 2,000 years later. So, God, I pray that you open our hearts to receive the truth of the word, Father God, to compel us to action this morning, this week, with our lives. And we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, my friends, as usual, if you have questions about the passage, about the text, about what I'm saying, you can text them to that number right there. Just anything, anything you got, text it. Mike and I will come up here at the end, and we will um, we will answer those questions for you. So, <clears throat> how many approaches are we looking at this way today? Three, three. Um, if you're a note taker, how many note takers are there? A couple of you. Okay. Some of you are like me, or like, oh, I'll remember that. I don't need to write it down. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I can't even remember what I ate for breakfast. Well, I can now, thanks to Jackie, because it was just 20 minutes ago. But <clears throat> okay, three things that we're going to look at about the shepherds. We're going to look at, number one, receiving like the shepherds. Number two, being like the shepherds. And number three, find the shepherds. And if you want, you can put up my thesis statement as well, just if you are that note-taker type. Receive like the shepherds, be like the shepherds, find the shepherds. That's what we're looking at. So first approach. It's really toward ourselves in terms of walking in humility to receive from the Lord that which he gives us freely. We deserve nothing and we earn nothing when it comes to salvation and a relationship with Jesus. Yes? Does anybody here earn their salvation? Okay, just make sure we're on the same page. We take on his humility in order to receive from him what we do not deserve. I want to read a quote from the Advent reading that Michelle just read. We will not win God's attention with our success or social standing. We will not win God's attention by making some big sacrifice to a cause we think he would like. The Bible says there's only one offering that matters to God, and it is the cry of a heart that has been humbled by the sorrow of its own sin, seeking the grace that can be found in Jesus our Savior. So we receive as the shepherds received. First off, they were the most unlikely recipients of this incredible news. They're the first ones ever to hear that the Savior had been born. And that shouldn't be lost on us. Here they are out in the edge of, of, of society, doing a job that probably nobody else wanted to do, maybe even having every reason to be angry at the world for landing them in this place. Maybe they chose it. You know, who, who knows what's going on in their minds? But it's not a, a, a place where people would go, man, I really want to be a shepherd. By this time, it had become something that was prestigious in David's day to, yeah, one of the lowest places that you could go to, to make a living and do kind of things like that. So this angel comes and delivers this life-changing proclamation to these people. It's no mistake that God chooses them first to deliver the hope of mankind. It's that moment, if you can picture it, it's like the, 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 the second verse of my favorite Christmas carol of all time that says, Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, till he appeared and the soul felt it's worth. That's what happened in this moment. Our reason for existing began to come into focus. 
It was hopeless to that point. They were only looking for what would come in the promised Messiah. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Israel had been waiting forever, it seemed, for this promise. And the shepherds received this good news by God's design. But it's not an accident. There's something that we need to understand from the text for us to show us that there must be humility in receiving the good news about Jesus. It's essential. Not only were these people outsiders, these shepherds, on the the edge of society, but their response was humble. You see in verse 9, there was a, a a filling with fear and awe and wonder. They didn't run away. They didn't dismiss. They were like, "This, what's happening right now? There's a, a humility to them in that moment. And as we're going to see, their response to the word demonstrates further their humility in receiving this word. So let me just tell you, it's a necessary component. Humility is. Not only when we first receive the gospel, but in our ongoing practice of the gospel. So there's a balance between recognizing and acknowledging the great sin in our lives and then being humbled by our own sorrow over that sin. But listen, friends, carefully. You cannot dwell in the brokenness and let it shape who you are. You cannot do that. Humility requires that we accept it, but humility also requires that we accept there's nothing we can do about it. Jesus alone is the solution for our problem. His sacrifice on the cross and his love poured out for you and for me brings hope and forgiveness and life. So let us receive it like the shepherds, the good news of Jesus Christ, and remain humbled by that fact that we don't deserve any of it, my friends. We don't deserve to be saved and redeemed, and yet we are saved and redeemed. That should humble us, and we should remain in that humility, walking out the gospel every day in our lives, rehearsing the gospel to ourselves every day in our lives. So receive like the shepherds. Amen. Got it? Got it? Good. Next, we want to be like the shepherds. So our second approach is from the example we see in their response to the good news. So not only did they receive it with humility, as we discussed, but then they proved it with their action. So what did they do with it, and why do we want to be like them? If we want to be like the shepherds, we need to look at what their response was. Let me remind you of verses 15 through 20 so we can see what they did. Luke 2, 15 through 20. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard as it had been told them. So, a few things should stand out from this section of of the passage in terms of the shepherds' response. So, what stands out to you in how they responded to the good news? They what? They spread it. Okay, what else? Haste. Hmm? Haste. So they went quickly, right? There was a, a, an urgency to what was happening. Anything else stand out? Okay. 
Yeah, I, I agree with those two things. I would say there's there's um, obedience to hear the word. They heard what was there. They, they listened to the word. They shared the word and they lived out the word. Immediately, like, like Mike said, they went with haste in what they heard. Now, did they go in order to prove what had happened? What did they go and do? They went to see. They went to see it. Like they wanted to participate in some sense that what was happening, I want to be a part of that. It wasn't like, did that really happen? Let's go check that out. No, it was a, an accepting with humility, but in a confidence that this is happening, I want to go see it. And they went with haste to go and do it. They were overcome with joy and excitement to go. Now, this should be a theme that we ought to be picking up on in this. They heard the good news and immediately followed with a going. Are we not called to do likewise? We are to go and share the good news as per the Great Commission. So what did the shepherds go and do? Well, they went to witness what had happened. And then in verse 17, as Audrey said, they shared the good news that was shared with them. Isn't that what we see in verse 17? And all who heard what they had shared marveled at their words. They were sharing the gospel, which means good news that had been shared with them. As I was looking at this text this week, it hit me like a ton of bricks. So as Jesus is being born into the world, the story being told to document that for us has weaved into it echoes of the Great Commission. I'm honest with you, I've never seen that before. It never stood out to me like it did in this moment. Uh, And I absolutely love that example, that from the moment Christ comes into the world, there is a commandment of going and proclaiming, just as the shepherds did. And he had it planned all along. It's not a mistake. It means that much to God that he incorporates it from the moment the proclamation is made. Go and proclaim the good news. Then we see the shepherds going back to their lives and living it out because they're rejoicing and celebrating and praising God. They're living differently in light of the good news that they had heard and received. And also, I don't want us to overlook the fact that they left their livelihood To go and see this thing, right? There's shepherds, there's sheep out there, and here they go off to see Jesus. I think there are undertones there for us to glean that following after Jesus requires us to do things that seem unwise or risky to certain people. But remember my thesis statement from this week. Humility leads us to places that we wouldn't choose to go. But it brings great glory to God. So we want to be like the shepherds, my friends. We want to hear the good news and proclaim the good news. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Excellent. Let's look at the third thing here, and that is finding the shepherds. So what do we mean by this? It's looking for the shepherd types that we might reach them with the good news. Now, I'll be honest with you, this is probably going to be challenging for most of us in this room. Just by nature, it's going to be difficult. The shepherds of Jesus' time, as we've already kind of discovered a little bit, were, were outsiders. 
socially sort of just not involved in society, community. They were often overlooked, sort of discounted, just, oh, those people out there doing that thing. Fast forward today, in this season of our lives, who are the shepherd types? Who would those sort of social outcasts, people on the outside, overlooked, neglected, who are those people today? Just broadly, give me some some descriptors. Who would those people be? I'm thinking more so like, think about society. Who is overlooked? Who is discounted? Who is just disregarded? Poor people, minority people, elderly people, homeless, disabled. Like there's a whole broad category of people who are just overlooked and discounted in life, right? Right now, those are the shepherd types of people that are here in our day and age that are the same as the shepherds. There's an acronym um, in some training that I've gone through that describes this group of people, and it's PIPSI. P-I-P-S-I. P-I-P-S-I. So the first P is poor. The poor. The I is international or immigrants. The second P is prisoners. People who are confined, locked up. The S is the sick, and the I, the last I, is just basically those that are ignored. Pipsy. So be honest, how many of you can confidently say that pursuing this type of person with the good news is something that you regularly and insistently do? To many people, this is an occasional, seasonal thing, let me, let me do this thing for these people because I feel bad, and that's about it, if at all. <laughs> there's some people that just, there's a wall, like there's, there's just blinders on, like I don't, if I don't acknowledge it, it's not there. That, that person over there, those people over this family, if I don't say anything, I don't see it, it's just not there. But here's what we need to understand about this group of people and what Jesus has to say about them. So if there's a headline for this section, I would just kind of say this. The good news is great news to those who are in great need. Oftentimes, life circumstances bring humility, right? Things that happen in this life humble us and position people to reach out for help. And there's a category of people who are destitute and starving, and not just physically. They're hungry spiritually. But their circumstances bring that to the forefront. They're starving, literally. Right? They're sick. They're alone. They're abandoned. They're hopeless. Whether their personal church choices led them there or not is not the issue. It's not the point. Amen. And it's a good place for us to begin to explore. Like I said, this might be a challenge for some of us, but I, I, we need to see what Jesus has to say about this. So go to Luke 14, and let's just confirm my suspicions. Luke 14, verses 12 and 13. Luke 14, 12 and 13, he said also to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner 
or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Stop there. So here Jesus is telling us to purposely pursue this category of people. Is he not? To somehow serve them and meet their needs. Jesus has great concern for those who are overlooked and dismissed by the world. And he tells us, his followers, be different than the world. Don't overlook them. Care for them. But if we keep reading in this chapter, we're going to get a broader sense, I think, of what Jesus is saying here. It's, it's all well and good, my friends, listen. It's all well and good to go to comfortable places and share the gospel and go to comfortable people to share the gospel with. Friends, family, people in your community, that's a necessary thing. But we don't stop there. Because oftentimes, there are a lot of reasons why that category of people the easy ones to get a hold of, the ones that are in our circles, a lot of obstacles and reasons for them not to want to hear or respond to the gospel. Let me prove my point again. Or the point of the text, I should say. Continue in Luke 14, picking up in verse 14. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be paid at the resurrection. (coughs) Verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat Bread in the kingdom of God. And he said to him, this is Jesus speaking now, A man once gave a banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say, Come who have, come, sorry, sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. For the first said to him, I have a field, I bought a field, and I must go out to see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And others said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant uh, came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done. And there's still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house May be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So that's probably a familiar passage as well. But the world around us, my friends, is that first couple of verses of people. They're busy and overcome by the cares of this life to want to hear the good news of the gospel. How many of you experience that? I go out praying for people all the time. Hey, can I pray for you? No, I'm good. Everything's great. I have no need. Really? Nothing, everything is perfect in your life? Yeah, I'm good. There is not a desperate need for help in our circles, generally speaking. Remember we started out today by highlighting the fact that humility is necessary in receiving the gospel. We must become aware of our own spiritual bankruptcy, right, in order to reach out for help. And in the common Western world where we live, there are a ton of obstacles in their path. Because by comparison to the rest of the world, we have a lot here. We have more than we need. We are comfortable. And we are okay, as people often say. So again, we don't ignore 
this category of people. We don't neglect in sharing the good news with them because they need to hear it as well. But then we go a few steps further to include the people who might not fit into our ideal category. But I think Jesus is clear in this passage. He says, go and engage them. Twice he says that in the passage, doesn't he? Go out and get them. And then he says, compel them with the good news of the gospel. Approach them, engage them, go after them. So we look for the lowly, we look for the unlikely, and we share the hope of Jesus with them. And I think, my friends, this also takes humility lest we overlook those people and think somehow we're better than them. Or I'm not going to go talk to that homeless person. That person, I'm sure they're just drunk. And we, we, we have these things, these narratives in our minds and our hearts, right? And look, I'm not telling you to go up to every person on the street, right? There's, there's wisdom and there's following the Holy Spirit. But too many times that's an excuse. We're scared. Fearful. Aren't we? Let's be honest. These people matter to Jesus. They are very important to him. And if that's the case, they should be very important to us. I have some friends, and we go out prayer walking, and we go in a, a very interesting part of Vista, I'll just say. There are a lot of homeless people. There are a lot of, yeah, gang stuff, violence, like broken families. I mean, it's just, it's not a great area. And we just go out praying for people. Hey, man, I want to pray for you. And you'd be surprised, very rarely are we turned down for prayer. I go over here to Mance Buchanan Park, Nice, sort of richy, affluent, richy, affluent part of Oceanside. Nine times out of ten. No, I'm good. I don't need anything. I'm all set. Thanks anyway. Over there, nine times out of ten, people are like, yes, please. Man, I'm, I'm broken. I'm hurting. We engaged a couple yesterday that <laughs> I kind of wanted to keep walking past because I was in that category going like, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. You could tell they were very, very much struggling with homelessness, mental health issues, probably some, some alcohol in there. But we just, me and my friend, hey man, we're praying for people. And they were just like, they were kind of in the street. They're like, let's get out of the street and come over here. And they just poured their life out to us. We need this, we need this, we need this, we're broken. We need Jesus. They were just pouring themselves out to us. And so we stop and we share a story from the Bible. We pray for them. And then she turns around, the, the wife, and she's like, can I pray for you? And she starts praying for me. Like that has never happened in areas where those kinds of people are not prevalent. Never happened where somebody's like, can I pray for you? My friends, this is necessary work. It has to be done. Because here we are in a room full of believers that are commissioned to do this, and we're probably readily able to admit that we don't do this, and so if we're not doing it, who's going to do it? Nobody. That's the bottom line in this. Nobody is going to do it. And look, I know that this is outside of most of our comfort zones. Well, guess what? It's outside of my comfort zone too. But that does not release us from any kind of obligation to go and proclaim. To go and find the shepherds in your life right now to proclaim the good news. 
Humility leads us to places that we wouldn't choose to go, but brings great glory to God. The candle that we lit today is pink. It's the only pink candle among the collection. Anybody know why? Why is it pink? You don't get to answer. (laughs) You already got it wrong once. Does anybody know why it's pink? What what color or what does pink symbolize? We sang about it today, and it's a three-letter word. Joy. Joy. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for who? Who? All people. All people. The good news of Jesus Christ is the greatest news. And there is great joy in proclaiming that hope to the lost. Let us receive the good news of Jesus Christ like the shepherds. Let us be like the shepherds in proclaiming that good news to all people. And let us find the shepherds around us who are so often overlooked and and really better positioned in life, if you want to put it that way, to hear and receive the gospel. That's my hope and my desire as we look to this familiar text, that it would move us toward application of these three things. It's my challenge for all of us. If you're at all interested in going out and doing what I just talked about, I go out twice a week. I go out on Tuesdays and I go out on Saturdays. You're welcome to join me. We're also going to do a training in uh, January, January 7th, that gives you some more tools to be able to do these kinds of things. That's a broad invite to everybody here, but I'm also going to poke on some of you and challenge you to show up and go and do it. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful and humbled by the fact that you sent your son Jesus Christ into this world. And that's what we celebrate now, Lord. We celebrate with joy the fact that Christ was born into this world. But it's so much more than just a story of the birth of our Savior, Lord. There's, there's, there's reason to want to go and respond with obedience. God, you love us. You loved us before we first loved you, and, and our response should be love. You told us quite clearly that if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And one of those commandments, I think, is, is just weaved through this entire passage of going, proclaiming the good news of the hope of Jesus Christ who was born into this world, who lived a life free from sin, who laid down his life for the world, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins, who took our punishment in our place, that if we repent, we change our minds about who we are, we change our mind about who you are, God, and we believe in the hope of the gospel, that we are saved. We're redeemed. We're brought into relationship that we share for eternity. That's a beautiful, amazing thing, Lord. 
but there's so much more that we have in front of us in terms of obedience and living out what we see modeled in you, Christ, and in the shepherds this morning. God, humble us. Use us. Challenge us. God, you equip us and you you give us all that we need. Now let's just step out in faith to go and proclaim, to seek those in this world that are hurting, that are broken, that are desperate, that need the hope of Jesus Christ, that are so important to you, Lord. Lord, let them be important to us. Give us wisdom. Give us direction in pursuing people. And we ask for your help. We pray for your strength. We pray for courage. God, remind us often of the great joy that those shepherds experienced at the very first proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, we ask in Jesus' name.